you are listening to the Bully Pew Podcast brought to you by Protestia.com. I am your host, David Morrill, and you are riding with me on a sunny day, looking to be a, a very nice day, even though it's cold, in Metro Denver while we talk about the latest in Christian polemics and discernment goings on out there, um, really amongst us. And uh, yeah, appreciate you tuning in to listen. Hope you're having a good end of the year and hope you and your family had a good Christmas. Uh, a little programming note for those of you regulars. Oh, special shout out, by the way, speaking of regular, special shout out to our wonderful patron supporters who are the ones who are bringing this program to you on the regular. They do that by supporting us financially over at patreon.com forward slash protestia. And you can do so as well, starting at $5.95 a month. Now, for that $5.95 a month or up, uh, you get access to the full version of Protestia tonight. Um, Bully Pew is dropped directly in your Patreon Patreon feed, uh, even though it also goes out uh, via other podcast uh, applications and whatnot. And, um, yeah, you get ad-free browsing at protestia.com. So if you log into Protestia with your Patreon account, there's a link uh, in the sidebar and then a login link in the menu. Uh, the ads magically disappear while you are logged in at Protestia. So there, there are some benefits to that. Uh, there are other benefits if you subscribe at a higher level, including joining us tonight. It'll be actually Thursday night for the Bull, Bulldogmatic Bible Study. Right now we're in Galatians. Yes, Galatians, and we slow walk our way through the text and uh, discuss it with one another. And um, yeah, it's it's a it's a very um, a very edifying time, and we would uh, you know we would love to see you there. And you get access to that at the 1995 a month level. Now, of course, if that is a little uh, too much, but you would like to join us as well, send me a message. I'm not hard to get a hold of. DM me on. Twitter, you know, X formerly known as Twitter, whatever it is, and I will uh, make sure that you get access to that as well. Now, for the for this podcast, um, we, we're going to be discussing. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about just the internet in general, and I know I've talked about this a little bit before, but it seems to be a big issue that nobody really talks about, including. Uh, including honestly, including online content creators and those that, you know, kind of do what I'm doing right now and, and they produce podcasts and they write articles and they produce videos and maybe they're YouTubers or whatever. And a good number of you, obviously, I mean, it, it makes sense. A good number of you that are listening to this podcast right now also take advantage of a lot of those other resources in the Christian conversation. Uh, it's, I mean, and we can see it. We can see it in a lot of ways. So like YouTube, for instance, will tell me, um, when I'm looking at the analytics, uh, what other channels and what other content creators and whatnot people are subscribed to. Now, I mean, you can tell if you um, look at our YouTube channel, we're not big YouTubers. We don't get a lot of views on YouTube. Now, part of that, I think, is because we spread the, spread the wealth around to a whole bunch of other content uh, 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 platforms. So every time that we put out Protestia Tonight, it's on YouTube. It's on actually a couple of YouTube channels. It's on it's on Facebook. It's on uh, Twitter. It's on Rumble. Um, you know, it it gets around, and so you know people have their preferred platforms, and and you know the 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 views are are spread out a little bit. Um, but we're not, yeah, we're not YouTube content creators specifically, unlike a lot of good brothers and sisters that we know, who many of you know that we have recommended and uh, we we. Um, recommend their content, but it's that's not really kind of who we are specifically. Um, but it, it's noticeable 
to us. I mean, we can tell from the analytics who um, subscribes to our uh, platform and also watches other content for folks that we that we like and folks that we recommend. And so, I mean, we 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 know that uh, you know, sort of who who follows who out there. And the reason that I bring that up is because I I think that the the sort of tipping of the scales, I guess, or the the biasing of the conversation that we um, just happens by by nature of the web as a communications medium is something that we don't really we don't really fully appreciate or understand. And each generation, sort of each age group, seems to see that a little bit differently. Um, my my parents are let's let's say they're young baby boomers. You know, they were right at sort of the tail end of the age group that would that would have been referred to as baby boomers. That is the children of the World War II generation. And I mean, to this day, it is hard to get across to them. It's hard, and and even harder, I think, for them to operate this way. Um, it's hard to get across to them that what is on the internet isn't true just because it appears there. <laughs> I know that, like, it sounds like, well, yeah, duh, that's obvious. But in in practice, it's much more difficult because there are so many things um, about, especially social media platforms, but even about just the the internet in general and web browsing and and web pages and things that lend legitimacy to things automatically. And, and our assumption is, our assumption very often is, well, if I see it on the internet, there must be at least some legitimacy to it. Why would somebody go through the trouble of putting things out there um, that are just made up or false or, or whatever? And we, we don't realize that not only are there motivations to put out things that are false, there are motivations to tell lies and distort things, but even the platform itself has a distorting effect. The medium has a distorting effect. Um, prior to the information age, you only really got, and I mean, there, there are good things about this and bad things, I suppose, but you really only got news. You really only got information from outside of your immediate um, sphere, your immediate physical area by newspapers and then later TV, um, you got this information from, I guess maybe we call them stakeholders. So that these, I mean, whether it was a printing press, you know, an, an actual publication that had to be printed, whether it was, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars in equipment and investment to bring you news, media, and things like that through uh, radio or television, you really only got that information through media stakeholders, companies where in order to you know get themselves a voice, in order to actually be publishers, there had to be a pretty significant monetary investment. And that doesn't mean that everything that they said was true or that they had some sort of altruistic motivations necessarily. Their motivation was and still is money and profit. It's a business. Um, but there was, there was a price to be paid um, for being wrong, being inaccurate, um, distorting things, uh, you know, that couldn't be done quite as easily and as democratically as it can now be done online. So, yeah, I mean, we we would argue that maybe previous generations didn't appreciate that how much bias there really was in the news media, but there was also kind of a at least to an extent, a code of ethics among journalists that said, hey, we, you, 
I have a responsibility to, even if we're choosing, and we, you always have to, choosing what to cover and what not to cover, I still have a responsibility to be accurate with what I say. Um, it will be checked uh, eventually. People will know eventually, and that will damage the reputation of my of my media outlet. That will damage my reputation, and reputation is everything in this business because like, without it, people just won't listen. Well, now it's it's very different now. Now, if you scroll down a social media, your social media feed, you have multiple, um, multiple motivations, multiple um, uh, distortions in play all the time. It's not, and we we tend to want to look at it with the, through the same lens that we would look at any other communication. So you know, imagine that you're you know, at a barber shop or something, you're having communicate, you're, you're communicating with somebody in real life or you're at a store and you're communicating with a, a clerk or a salesperson or, um, you know, you're at a, you're at a church picnic or something and you're having conversations with people. There are very personal stakes for those kind of conversations. And it, it, it's actually much more similar to the, the, the real, the real life stakes, the higher stakes of, traditional, you know, old, uh, press and media establishment. Now, um, with the internet, anybody can walk to a a machine at any time. It doesn't even have to be their machine and they can, they can start a new account anonymous. Um, they can call it whatever they want and they can post whatever they want. And it sits alongside things that have been researched and things that have been, um, you know, are coming from, um, outlets and personalities and professionals that have stakes, they, they have skin in the game, so to speak, which it's, it's, it has its own set of good things and bad things, much like the media of old had good things and bad things. I mean, the, the sort of the gatekeeping aspect of it and the fact that only certain voices were really able to get into the conversation was probably a bad thing. The good thing, though, was we knew who the, those people were. Um, they had a monetary motivation that was serious. They were professionals. It was their job. Um, that's a good thing. The profit motive is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. That, you know, Despite what leftists will tell you, the profit motive is a good thing overall. It's good to have that kind of pressure on your work. Um, I mean, th- those were sort of some good things and bad things about the way it was. Now the way that it is also has good things and bad things, but they're different good things and bad things. And so while it's good that, hey, now everybody has access to the conversation, um, human nature remains, right? People's, people's um, depravity remains, their lostness remains, their, their propensity to do, um, to do right only when they're forced to do right is, is still here. And so now people online will, you know, very often say anything and twist anything. And I mean, and and some of this has very much invaded the Christian conversation as well, unsurprisingly. And this should be no surprise as those of us who, who rightly understand that God's people have always been a remnant, even amongst those that claimed to be God's people, um, you know, I mean, you know, I've said it a hundred times. I'll keep saying it. Jesus said that there will be many, many who say, Lord, Lord, and yet do not know him. There are many, in other words, there are many that say that they're Christians. There are many that claim the name of Christ and yet don't know Jesus. He doesn't know them. Depart from you workers of iniquity, you workers of lawlessness. As, as, uh, as he says in Matthew 7, 
uh, this is the world that we live in. And so it should be no surprise to us that depravity is still very often the name of the game, even in what you would assume are Christian conversations. And when, when you juxtapose that with the fact that Christians that we've been taught since, I mean, I, I, like I've been, um, in, in church my whole life, now, obviously not saved my whole life, but a good majority of my life at this point, um, been a regenerate Christian in the church, um, primarily in Baptist churches. I mean, Baptist churches for more or less as long as I can remember, um, and we have been taught, um, whether directly or by uh, example or by social pressure, that if somebody says they're a Christian, you're supposed to accept that they're a Christian, and to not do so would be unloving. And you're certainly not allowed to weigh their confession in any way, test their confession in any way, versus their their behavior, their obedience. Um, you're not supposed to, you know, I mean, biblically speaking, we would call this, uh, uh, the fruit. You're, you're not supposed to examine the fruit of others to, to try to determine, you know, a, is, are they, are they behaving in con- consistently with their confession? Now, of course we know that's the loving thing to do because we need to do that for one another. If I'm, if I'm confessing Christ and yet even over the internet, as much as you can see, um, doing things or saying things that are patently unchristlike, patently unbiblical, it's the loving thing to do for me to call that out. Um, but trying to do that within the distorted quote unquote reality of the internet proves very, very difficult. We have, like I said, we have a juxtaposition between Christians who have been taught their whole lives to be as charitable as humanly possible with somebody's Christian confession. And we, and we're trying to, we're interacting with these folks on a, on a platform that distorts reality. We don't really know, we don't really know, uh, who each other are particularly. All we can do is, is judge or weigh or analyze what we can see. And it's not just the, the content necessarily. It's also the, the fact that the internet, um, distorts the scale of things. Uh, it's really, really difficult, extraordinarily difficult to gauge the, the relative, uh, importance of something or the relative, um, the, the relative impact of something online, right? The online conversation, social media conversation, whatever it is, even, I mean, even websites like Protesta, even our, even our web website, um, there, there is a, a sense at which, um, when something is published, it's hard to know, like how, how important is this really? Like, and, and factually it may be 100% true. Hopefully it's hundred percent true. And hopefully the opinions that we put forward based off of the, what we know and what we can, what we can, uh, publish, um, you know, with certainty are solid biblical views. They're solid application of, of theology, true biblical theology versus the issue that we're reporting on. Um, and yet at the same time, it's like, okay, you know, folks are right to, to ask and, and, and wonder how important is this really? This might demonstrate something in this area. Um, but is this a, uh, systemic problem? Is this everywhere? You know, I mean, lately a lot of videos, and this is common this time of year, uh, of churches having insane, um, worldly man centered entertainment based, um, Christmas services or Christmas specials, 
you know, really to, to, I mean, just inner, just entertainment pieces, you know, they're, they're getting in the, they're jumping in the pool with, uh, regular, like secular Christmas concerts and all this kind of stuff. And, and some, some of it is, some of it is, I mean, pretty high quality in terms of production value. Um, but it doesn't really belong in a church, not a real church. Um, and we get a lot of videos this time of year of that kind of stuff because this is the time of year when mega churches do these things. And yet, it, it would be easy to look at one of those posts and make the assumption, the leap, oh man, this is, this is pervasive, this is happening everywhere. It may not be happening in my church, my neck of the woods, um, but clearly, I mean, if it's on the internet, it's, I mean, Protestia wouldn't put this out there on a, on a video on Twitter or whatever, unless this was like a major issue. And, and some, some things are and some things aren't, but it's hard to tell. It's really hard to tell. And I don't think that we're, we're really factoring that in, in a lot of ways. And when, when you don't factor it in, which again, the internet makes it very difficult to do when the scale of something or the relative importance of something cannot be factored. Um, the safest thing to do psychologically, emotionally, the safest thing to do is assume that it's a major issue, whatever it is, assume that it's a major issue and that it is a, you know, something that is worth, um, reacting to. That's the other part of it that, that, that I think that we, we don't really keep in mind is we assume everything that, that hits our social media feed is supposed to be like, we have to weigh in on it. We have to say something, or we have to, we have to make some sort of a decision or come to some sort of a position, um, on whatever it is. I mean, the, the algorithms and things, they feed that interaction. They basically say, Hey, here's something somebody put out there. You don't know how true it really is. You don't know how big of a deal it really is. And, and what do you think about it? We need you, you know, the world needs you to weigh in. Um, this is especially, I mean, this is pernicious for me. Like I, I, yeah, I, I find myself, you know, going down a social media feed, um, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and thinking to myself, you know, oh, what do I think about that? And what would I say about it? Should I say something about it? Of course. And, and, and the little, you know, the devil on your shoulder, so to speak, is saying, yeah, the whole world needs to know what you think about this. They've all come to this social media app to find out what David thinks about this, which of course isn't true. But, you know, from my perspective, it's, it's pretty easy to fall into that trap and, and see that as true. And so the, the entire algorithm, the entire, what do you think about this positive or negative? Um, the entire, the, the algorithm that encourages and motivates and rewards people for having the most unique take the most, uh, um, the smartest way to say whatever their position is, or potentially the most controversial way to say it, because that's going to get the most attention. The algorithm feeds, um, dissension. It feeds, um, uh, tribalism. It feeds uh, controversy and separating from one another. It's kind of like it encourages in many ways the opposite of how Christians are actually supposed to act. And I, I realize the irony of saying that as somebody who is actively working in a ministry that exists online. Um, that's, you know, I even, 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 admitting what the internet is really about and what it really does, it can be challenging because, um, there's no doubt that we feed it to an extent. I mean, protestia content is, uh, read and consumed and seen 
um, primarily, I think, through social media in a lot of ways or through um, other websites and other, other media platforms uh, referencing the stuff that we're doing. Um, and, and yet, I, so, so maybe, maybe this is a helpful discussion from us specifically to say, and, and we've said it before, don't make um, polemics and discernment news and all that the, the be-all, end-all of your um, engagement with theology and your engagement with, um, you know, public Christianity and all that. Like, I, I mean, I, I hope it's helpful. I hope that it um, can act as a guardrail of sorts. But um, I hope that it doesn't become, you know, the cable news of, of the Christian, you know, reformed Christian kind of conversation where it's just negative all the time. And it's always, hey, have you noticed this bad thing? Hey, have you noticed this bad thing? Have you noticed this bad thing? Because um, the, the supply of bad things, sin, false worship, false expression, um, problems in churches, problems in quote-unquote churches, places that call themselves churches that I would argue biblically really aren't, um, the, the supply of that will never stop. It's, it's unending. And so we're trying to, even as we highlight those things and demonstrate those things and keep you aware of sort of what's going on out there, my goal and, and our goal as a ministry is hopefully to get down underneath that to the, to the doctrine um, underneath, especially as it gets to the times where we have to um, call out friends of ours, people that we believe are, you know, as far as we can tell, are Christians. Because there are certainly things that we talk about or expose out there, which, which I would argue we can rightly apply Scripture to demonstrate that that their confession of faith should not be taken um should not be believed because of doctrines that they teach, false doctrines, false practices, um, you know, bad fruit, basically. And then there's a whole bunch of other uh, folks in the middle that uh, we don't know for sure are Christians because we can't read their hearts any more than they can read ours. They can't see into our hearts any more than we can see theirs. But on the on um, the evidence, on the fruit that we see, we would have no um, argument for denying the validity of their professional faith. And so we treat them as brothers and sisters in Christ. And now we're in a different category, biblically speaking. They're no, they're, they're no longer the, the mission field in terms of evangelism, but now they're um, those that, God willing, were able to sharpen one another and debate with one another and um, have discussions over doctrine and theology. It's, it's a much deeper, broader conversation, and I'd like to think that we can get into some of that as well. So it's not just, hey, 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 look, look over there at that, um, at that blasphemous worship, that false worship. Hey, look over there at um, that false teaching. Um, but sometimes it can be, here's the, here's the correct teaching, here's the correct doctrine, here's the correct biblical view of this issue specifically, and hopefully we can be a resource for that as well, knowing that the internet is a, it's kind of the wild, wild west. Like I said earlier in the podcast, um, my parents' generation, um, they have a hard time um, being autumn like reflexively distrusting of what they see which I think is I think that not only is that a good position um, in terms of biblical discernment to to step back and say um, like the Bereans say whatever you just said or proclaimed in the name of God I'm going to immediately um, hold it up to the light of scripture and if I'm not sure I'm going to do research um, into it to see does this actually 
um, hold up against scriptural scrutiny. We should be doing that all the time. I mean, how many passages, how many times um, does the New Testament talk about false teachers, about wolves in sheep's clothing? This, this topic is brought up a lot. And, and we know as biblical discerners, and, and you know as well, that the wolves don't come in wolves' clothing. They come in sheep's clothing. They don't come, they don't come dressed up as, as Satan saying, um, tr- leading the sheep astray by saying Satan's awesome and Jesus is terrible. They, that's, not a, that's not how it works. They come, they come as those proclaiming Christ. They say Jesus. They say Christian-y things. And yet they teach doctrines of demons. They teach false doctrine. They teach things that uh, undermine the true gospel of Jesus Christ, replace it with a false gospel. And, and in because we know from Scripture that this is, a, this is a true reality, our position should always be reflexively challenging, reflexively, not reflexively assuming that, that anybody is a false teacher per se, but challenging um, the, their teaching to make sure that it is solid biblically. And you're going to have times when solid teachers, folks that have a great track record as far as being sound biblical teachers, teach things that when you test them, are like, eh, I, I don't think that that quite meets the, the scriptural challenge here. This person is still a brother or sister in Christ, but this, this is worthy of um, argumentation. It's worthy of challenge, worthy of, of reexamination for, for their own good. Um, not because if they somehow don't change this secondary or tertiary doctrine, they're going to hell, um, but because we love the truth, because we love the Word of God, because um, we, we seek to obey Him um, in every way, we love one another by doing that work, by challenging each other in love. And, and it's, super, it's super difficult. As much as the internet enables conversations that can be very fruitful with, with brothers and sisters that we don't even really know, they're across the country, across the world, um, it can also be difficult because in a way we don't see them as full human beings in our interactions. Like I'm driving down the highway right now and I'm driving past cars and I know intellectually that there are people in these cars. I know that there are people operating these vehicles but I don't see people. I see, um, um, I see like vehicles that are, that are faceless and emotionless and I don't know anything about them and their backstory. I don't know. You know, I, I don't, I don't see them as human beings psychologically, even though intellectually I know that there are people driving these cars. The internet can sometimes be the same way. I mean, we're having conversations sometimes or communications that they're, that we're missing, we're missing a good chunk of the natural human interaction, and and because of that, we don't see necessarily them as relationships that must be maintained. And natural human interaction, even even interaction with strangers, but their real life interactions, there are consequences for. Um, not doing appropriate things or not do, not expressing ourselves lovingly during those interactions that just that, that same dynamic is not there online and yeah so so I'm not I'm not saying this to somehow um, challenge somebody's tone or I'm not the tone police or something like that but I think it is worth at least keeping in the back of our mind when we're interacting online these are real people and to the extent that um, we have um, determined that there is a good reason and evidence and we've decided we've committed to treat a person even online as a brother or sister in Christ um, 
we, we should be endeavoring to, as much as possible, interact with them as uh, a fellow Christian. And that means, it means two things. That means um, that uh, we, we, we don't want to act towards them in a way that, we, uh, that would be sinful just overtly. And yes, there are ways to do that online. Um, we don't want to be um, deceptive and untruthful and manipulative uh, with people online, which is, I mean, it's a very easy thing to do. Uh, and, and at the same time, when somebody who is professing to be a Christian has uh, expressed things that are clearly against Scripture, things that are false teachings, false understandings, it is perfectly okay to identify those things, to rebuke um, the person, and to a degree it's the person because you're not standing in front of them, but, but re- certainly rebuke the false idea, challenge the idea intellectually, biblically. Um, that, that is a loving thing to do, not only for that person, um, but also for anybody else that happens to read it, because we're, we're aware of this, at least on an, on an emotional level, these quote unquote conversations that are happening in open forums are potentially, and again, this is a, this is a, a, a scaling, um, problem that the, that the internet presents, but potentially these conversations are happening in front of a whole bunch of people, people we don't know. People that, that, that don't know us. They're not really in our lives. And so our our allegiance uh, in that moment, as, as with any moment, still needs to be to God and to righteousness and to obeying his commandments. Um, the the internet instead, they, the, the medium, the platform, wants our allegiance to be to uh, getting attention. Uh, that's how the that that's how these platforms make money and stay in business is by gobbling up as much of our attention as humanly possible. So while our motive should be to be um, obedient to the Lord and loving, and especially since we are basically publishing something that will you know potentially exist um, in perpetuity, our primary motivation should be love of the truth and willingness to express the truth. Um, no matter who we think is or isn't reading, but instead the internet and the, and the platform, especially social media, they want our motivation to be, um, platform building, getting attention, you know, keeping, keeping, uh, our eyes and our attention addicted to the platform. And they, and they do that by having us feed on one another. That's kind of the way that this works. So, um, if I put out, you know, content on social media, that's really compelling and really draws a lot of attention that gets other people on the platform to not only spend time there consuming my content, but also, um, start making their own content because you know, the, the human instinct is for them to want the attention as well. They've seen me get the attention and they've seen me say things that uh, people are agreeing with, and the positive, the positive emotional uh, um, uh, re- response and result of that, and they want the same thing for themselves. And so, the the whole thing is an it's an attention machine. It feeds on attention. It produces um, uh, content that draws our attention, and um, but it, it's it's certainly a entirely different motivation than, than what should motivate us as Christians, especially. We're not supposed to be um, seeking to build platform or get attention for ourselves on that basis. Instead, we're supposed to be, to the extent that we 
uh, interact and are engaged or and are involved, we should be promoting God's truth and his righteousness and arguing against that which is not God's truth and not God's righteousness. And there's a whole range of things that fit into that um that, that fit into that description, I would argue. Yet there, I mean, there are specific times when specific teaching can and should happen, specific biblical explanation, um, um, theological uh, analysis and teaching, for sure. And I mean, on the other end, you have just sort of like you know potentially fun, um, um, sort of disarming, um, you know, uh, just sort of just hanging out together, enjoyment kind of moments that that can be entertaining and fun. Um, but we never, we can never lose sight of the fact that it's not a fully formed interaction and that there are real people with, um, with real souls and real, uh, especially as believers, real journeys of sanctification taking place. It's not our job to, um, uh, to run them over on our way to build it, to get attention for ourselves or build some sort of a platform. Um, God gives and God takes away. And, um, I have to constantly remind myself of that because there's, there's a certain drive that I have, um, to try to make sure that, uh, Protestia, you know, this ministry and this podcast is being seen and being out there because we're, we're trying to produce content that we think will be edifying and helpful for the church. So it's really easy for me to sort of, um, lay, lay aside the knowledge I have that the internet is, is potentially a dangerous wild, wild west kind of place and just try to build the platform by any means necessary. But if God gives and God takes away, which he does, um, the idea is he would use this, this platform, this website, um, patrons that are supporting it financially, um, all of the, the, the edifying and, and, and God honoring things we can do around here, um, he will use it as he sees fit. And if it's no longer useful to him, then it will cease to exist or it will become something different or it becomes smaller. And if it's, um, if it's, if God is using this, um, at the size that it's at, it will remain at the size that it's at and will continue to do the work. If he wants it to get bigger and more influential, it'll get bigger and more influential. Um, but I have to resist, constantly resist the urge to think that it is going to be by my cunning and my wise moves and my way of saying things online and whatever that's going to drive that. It's not. Um, so I, I hope this discussion uh, has given you some stuff to think about. Um, I, oh, I'm always hoping and, and you know, pray, praying and hoping that my uh, brothers and sisters who I've never met in person, but I have every reason to think our brothers and sisters um, are... Um, using the internet for God's glory, using the communications medium for his glory and not for their own glory. And uh, I, I'm confident that they would be hoping and hoping for and praying for the same things for me. Um, next time I talk to you, oh, a, a little bit of, if you made it this far in the podcast, you were definitely um, de- definitely in the inner inner circle here, but a little bit of a, a, a programming note, protesting tonight may be um, an audio only thing for a few weeks, the studio area that where we do the actual video and production work for that program is undergoing a bit of a remodel, a bit of a remodel right now. Um, it's been a long time coming. Uh, we've, uh, my wife and I've had our home now for, uh, over 13, 13 and a half years 
the same home and when we moved in I knew that we needed to do some work in the area where the studio is now I built the actual studio to be about half of the space but the other half of the space is also um, under construction there were some plumbing issues and some some pretty major changes and things like that so all of that to say that um, there may not be a YouTube protestia tonight uh, for a few weeks still be intelligence briefings because those actually occur in a different space different studio um, but the protesting tonight stuff may be audio only for at least a little while until we get that remodeling work done hopefully I'll be able to show you kind of what uh, what we have done um, it is a dorky studio space kind of a man cave studio space but um, if I can remember perhaps we'll uh, record a video to sort of walk you around the space once it's uh, done and complete and all fixed up. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Bully Pew Podcast from Protestia.com. Stay tuned to Protestia for all of your latest in Christian polemics and discernment news. Have a good New Year's. Spend the time with your family. Get yourself to church on Sunday and worship with the saints. If you're in Colorado, uh, perhaps I'll see you there. As always, Semper Reformanda.